Often, when we think of Christ and his saving work, we get into the tendency of thinking that Christ paid for our sins by becoming a sacrifice for us. Now, while that is true, the question comes up, why did he live for so many years prior to the cross? Was it just to proclaim truth to the lost? Perhaps those years were also used to keep and fulfill laws in the Old Testament for our sake. Join us today as we dive into the law and Christ. Know the Word is a McGregor podcast that offers a relevant and refreshing focus on understanding and applying God's Word to your life. We'll discuss life-changing truths of biblical faith that comes from hearing and hearing through the Word of Christ. I'm your host, Nathan Bottomley, and joining me today is Rob Flint. Join us as we open the Bible so we can know the Word. Well, Rob, thank you for being here. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Let me just say uh, at the outset, man, that intro mu- music hits. I am a fan. I'm a fan, guys. It slaps. It does slap. I'm just kidding. That's not something I would ever say any other time than now. But nonetheless, totally kidding. Uh, so we just did the Know the Word workshop, uh, and you had a part in that. I did. And what exactly was your topic? I was responsible for setting up Colossians historically and in the greater narrative of the, the, the biblical text and then positioning the themes so that they could then be unpacked by the other speakers. Yeah. And so something that came out of that were these uh, five motifs mm-hmm. in your session. Uh, and we've had the privilege of talking to uh, Jonathan, Peter and Russell, uh, others from this Know the Word workshop. And we've been diving into those motifs individually. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so today uh, you've been tasked uh, to talk a little bit about the motif of the law and Christ as it appears in Colossians. So before we go diving into the Old Testament, because the conference was about Colossians, where in Colossians do we see uh, this topic, this motif of the law and Christ? For sure. It's a great question. The, there are some specific verses and I'll share those, but really the kind of as a, on the whole, when you look at Colossians, like Paul is really positioning Christ as the fulfillment, right? He uses the word fulfillment. He uses the, he kind of contrasts substance and shadow. Like he's really pulling. And I mean, if you think about it, Colossians is what, four chapters and 95 verses. <laughs> I mean, he, he really dives into like the fulfillment that Christ is of the law. And so uh, one specific section of texts uh, of text I want to, I want to look at um, today together, uh, unpack a little bit is in Colossians two, it's going to be verses 13 to, to 23. And I'm, I'm including a couple of extra verses here because I think it helps set the tone for where Paul lands. Um, but we'll, we'll start in, in verse 13 and you, you remember he's writing, Paul's writing the book, to the church at Colossae, the, the believers there, where like some some level, I mean, there's been all kinds of study on it, but some level of heresy was was slipping into the church, right? So some people will say it's Gnosticism, paganism, dualism. It was probably kind of a concoction of all of it, but really what the what they were believing was that Jesus is it's cool, like Jesus is an angel or he's like a, a little G God, but he's not the God, yeah. right? So that I mean, Paul's coming out swinging with the, the, the truth that that is, that is not real, that is heresy, that is false. Let me tell you who Jesus really is. So we'll, we'll start here in, in verse 13. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, there's an Old Testament reference we can come back to, uh, God made alive together with him, 
having forgiven all of our all of our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands this he set aside nailing it to the cross if someone ever comes to me and is like hey really tell me like the like give me like what what is christianity like what is it like tr- like give me like the essence of like the gospel i mean these verses yeah i mean you were dead god made you alive forgave you how cuz he canceled your record what did he do he set it aside nailing it to the cross Right? So then we'll jump to verse 16. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or Sabbath. These are a shadow of things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you insisting on asceticism and worship of angels going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind and not holding fast to the head for whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with a growth that is from God. And then here, let me, well, I'll save these last two verses. Let's look at 16 and and 17. Yep. So you see right there, Paul's bringing in food, drink, festivals, new moon, and Sabbath. So, you can see already like so the new moon uh, festivals new moon and sabbath that's, that's language that paul also uses in galatians yep uh right and in, even in ephesians and even alludes to in hebrews hebrews 10. so uh this idea that hey look th- these expectations whatever it is that you're like all these other things you're trying to add yep those things were a, a foreshadowing of the the fulfillment that is we have in christ you those things are were great in the Old Testament law. Those things were necessary, right? And well, I think we're going to talk about that today, but those things were a shadow of the things that the substance belongs to Christ. Um, I heard somebody say one time, like if you're outside and you, you, you're standing in the sun and the shadow is behind you and all you see is the shadow, like th- that's what this is. These, the, the food, the drink, the festivals, the new moon, the Sabbath, like those are just the shadow. That's not the real thing. The real thing is whatever's standing there casting the shadow. That would be in this case, Jesus, right? So the, the idea that Paul is really focused on pointing, the, pointing out the fact that the law of the Old Testament was necessary for its time. Yeah. Right. Uh, but all of those things pointed to, to Jesus. It wasn't like, oh, Jesus is the plan B. Right. <laughs> no, Jesus was the plan. Uh, right. I right. mean, you can go back all the way to Genesis three, the Proto-Evangelium, right? You see that there's a foreshadowing of Jesus all the way back then. Yeah. Right. So then Paul's trying to say, hey, look, these things aren't going to get you there. The, and well, let's go back to the text. So he says, let no one pass judgment on you. And then in verse 18, let no one disqualify you on asceticism. Asceticism is like denying yourself uh, something, right? So like if I'm going to deny myself a food or a drink there, you know, Jewish people would have said like, you have to do these things, observe these things, abstain from pork, you know, all those, right? Yeah. All the, all the things that we know and hear about today, right? Yep. Uh, but he's saying, no, 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 no. That you're adding to the gospel. Christ is sufficient in and of himself. You do not need those things. Those things were necessary for a season and they pointed to the fulfillment and the fulfillment is here and it's in Jesus. Right. Let me read verse 20 and 21. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they're used according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Here, like if you break it down in verse 20, you know, if with Christ you died, uh, to the, uh, you know, to the, like, so you're 
you're dead. You're, fl- you're dead in your flesh. You're a new creation, right? We talk about that a lot. Yep. Uh, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to these things? He's like, hey, look, you're you're dead to the world and alive in Christ. Like yep. these external <clears throat> laws. Why why are you pretending that those even still matter to you? You're dead to those things because you've been made alive in Christ as a believer. Right. So that that's just one example of where we see the law and Christ collide in Colossians two. Yeah. It's a lot of text together as well. Right. I mean, is, you, yeah, it is. That's why I wanted to chunk it up. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I just, yeah, it's all, all in chapter two, all good stuff. So let me ask you this then, because we see a bunch of terms here that even you've alluded to, you're, you know, you're dead to these things. These things don't matter because they're fulfilled in Christ. But we've, and you've mentioned already, these things existed for a time before this. Mm-hmm. So let's jump backwards then. Because if our goal is to understand Colossians as best we can, and you know, we think of these podcasts, to understand these motifs as best we can. Before Colossians, let's before the New Testament, where do we see this idea of the law and Christ's fulfillment, well, at that point, coming mm-hmm. at one point? Well, we see it a lot in the Old Testament. <clears throat> so... Uh, yeah, I mean, there's, you know, I, I kind of chunked it up because there are so, I mean, there are, I mean, I don't know, hundreds of places in the Old Testament that point to, to that point to a fulfillment in Jesus, right? right. I, I tried to break it down into some, some uh, themes or categories. So we have like messianic prophecies, right? Where there, right. there, the some prophet in the Old Testament is, is, foretelling of uh, of the coming messiah right right um isaiah 53 is a really popular one right everybody yep. the suffering servant right uh that would be one that's pointing to i mean you can go back and read the text i mean it is clearly about jesus right uh you have t- tons of types and symbols uh that look to jesus um, like the passover lamb um in the exodus that is you know that's an illusion pointing to the ultimate passover lamb that becomes jesus right yep um, there's covenant promises, uh, the Abrahamic covenant, the Davidic covenant, and then the new covenant of Christ, right? These covenants, uh, moving through time. Sorry. What were you going to say? No, I was, yeah, I, I'm agreeing with you. Oh, they gosh. move us along in the text. Right. They do. <laughs> they do. Um, I, I pulled this one out, the law of the schoolmaster in Galatians three, uh, 24 and 25, Paul refers to the law as a schoolmaster, the, or tutor that leads us to Christ. The old Testament law's role in highlighting humanity's need for a savior is evident through scripture. So it's this idea that the law was the schoolmaster, the tutor that led us to what we ultimately needed in Christ. I heard somebody say one time, it was like the old Testament is like a 400 year study session that when you show up, that when you show up to the test, you realize, Oh, Jesus already passed it for you. Right. Uh, because he, he, he already fulfilled all those things. He already answered all the questions, right. And, and made the sacrifice. Yeah. Um, Melchizedek. I mean, that's a, you could do a whole podcast series just on, on Melchizedek, but you know, that's, <laughs> that's this, uh, priest King, uh, that has new, no beginning or end. Then in he, the author of Hebrews, you know, attributes Melchizedek to being Jesus and Jesus right. being Melchizedek. Um, that's a, I mean, maybe the best Christophany, you know, appearance of Christ pre-incarnate in the Bible there is. Right. Um, prophetic language, uh, prophets like Isaiah, Micah, Zechariah, all use language pointed to a coming Messiah who would bring salvation, righteousness, and peace. And then uh, may, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's, uh, 
the best one, but my favorite one, because I think it's very, very clear is the sacrificial system, right? Yeah. Uh, specifically uh, the day of atonement where you, you know, you're having to offer these, these sacrifices, killing something without the, you know, without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sins. There right. is literally a shedding of blood to be made clean, then to be able to go into the tabernacle, the church and worship. Yeah. Right. So it's all, you know, then you, we get to Jesus. He fulfills the law. He doesn't abolish it. He fulfills it. Yeah. Right. Uh, Paul is very clear about that. And so then we have this idea that, okay, well, Paul has now, or excuse me, Jesus has now once and for all paid the, the made the sacrifice, right. Fulfilled yeah. the wrath of God. And so now we can tabernacle worship, be with God through Jesus, uh, what he's done. So yeah. that the old Testament is pointing all the way through to the truth of Jesus. And so now we can look back and say, okay, yeah, sure. Like that makes a ton of sense. You know, hindsight, great. Right. And then we look at these people in the, you know, the church at Colossae, they're like, man, w you know, these people are getting swayed by, you know, whatever, whatever outsides, you know, people were trying to teach them the wrong things, right? The, the, the culture, other teachers, heresy, right? Yep. And we say, you know, how silly is that? But I mean, Nate, let's be honest. Like how often do we do that? Like we let outside influences corrupt what we know to be true from the Bible, right? <laughs> Far too often. Seriously. Um, I mean, I've seen, actually, you know, somebody I grew up with here at this church. Yeah. I mean, we walked side by side. And I mean, he he has walked away from the faith. And that's brutal, sad, tragic. I mean, it's it's broken, but because of outside influences. Yeah. Um, and so when we, when we see, when we look backwards through, well, actually, I think we should go back to the beginning of the Bible and look forwards through yeah. the lens of the law and to see the fulfillment in Christ. That makes it that much more glorious what Christ did for us, what he right. accomplished on the cross and through the resurrection. Yeah. So you mentioned this, I think, while talking about the sacrificial system. So these things exist in the Old Testament and they have a purpose. Not only do they point forward to Christ, but in that time, it gave them the ability to uh, enter the temple mm -hmm. to like partaking in these things and doing these things. So these things all have a place in the old Testament. Okay. Now flip into the new Testament. Does something like the Sabbath have bearing on me? It's a great question. It's a really great question. So, <laughs> uh, I, I know Christian brothers and sisters who I really respect who say they are, you know, they have no obligation to a Sabbath because this, the Sabbath is fulfilled in Jesus. Right. And honestly, I, I can't make an argument that, that, that they're not right. An argument can be made. Um, but I think the, the greater, what I would apply to that, that question is, do we have to Sabbath? No. Right. We get to. Yeah. Right. It's, it's not that we have to Sabbath to be made clean, saved, forgiven, because yeah. we're not adding anything to Jesus' sacrifice. Right? right. We don't have to Sabbath but we can and we get to. Yeah. And then those ways we should then reflect on, take joy in, rest in who God is and what Jesus did. Yeah. So let me, I'm kind of looping back around to actually what I even said uh, in our opener. Uh, Christ lived a number of years before uh, being nailed to the cross to pay for our sins. But one of the things he did, well, let me ask you this. How did these rules dictate? Did they dictate? Did Christ follow these rules? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, sure, he did. Okay. Um, he did as uh, certainly as a child. He would have he would have grown up. Yep. You know, go, we see in Luke that you know he his parents forget him at the synagogue. He's there. He's learning. He's uh, you know he's growing and understanding and wisdom. Yeah. We know that he knows the law. Right. 
not just as he's being God in, in human flesh, but also he's learning it as a human. Right. Right. Um, but then we also see tons of times where he heals on a Sabbath. Right. Or, um, can, can I interject? Oh yeah, sure. Was that God's intention then for the Sabbath when it was laid out in the old Testament? Is he break? Let me, let me ask this a different way. Was Christ breaking man's perception Oh, on the Sabbath? Undoubtedly. Okay. But he was fulfilling the Lord's uh, command for the Sabbath? What What do you mean? So, okay, you just used the reference of, for example, Christ performing miracles on the Sabbath. Right. Was wrong in man's eyes. Right. But did Christ keep all these and fulfill them? Keep all these what? These laws. All these laws. These Old Testament laws. While he was here? Yep. Uh, we don't. We don't technically know. Okay. I mean, if he kept every, I mean, I would say that he probably did. Right. Uh, but we don't know for sure. Yeah. But we do know that he was breaking down the, the social construct around laws like the Sabbath. Right. Because he came to fulfill the law. Right. Uh, another one I'd say is in um, John, Mark 3, I think. Okay. We'll have to fact check this one later. Um, <laughs> fake news. Uh, I think it's Mark three. Uh, you know, the leper comes to Jesus. Yeah. And you know, so if you, if you will it, you can heal me. You know, he's demonstrating faith. He knows that Jesus can heal him if he wills to. And Jesus has compassion on him. He heals him, but he touches him. Right. So it makes him ceremonially unclean because he touched a leper. Right. Right. It, you wouldn't see another Jewish person touching a leper. Right. Right. But he's, he's, he, he has compassion. He heals him. He's not, and it's not like it made Jesus unclean. Right. No, of course. <laughs> right. But he, he's not, he's not as concerned with the law as he is breaking down the construct around the law yeah. so that we can see that he is the fulfillment of the law. He is supreme and uh, sufficient in and of himself, not us obeying, being obedient to the law. Right. And it's kind of, yeah, it's interesting you say that because another one that's popped into my head and I'm thinking about uh, is in Philippians. Paul makes this argument. It's actually, you know, we referenced it this past Sunday uh, during our worship service, and uh, we actually just took our Bible study through it. Paul goes on, if anybody has a reason to think that their righteousness has afforded them a ticket, an admission ticket into heaven, it would be him. Mm -hmm. He says, I'm the Hebrew of Hebrews. I've been circumcised. I've followed everything. I learned all the things from a, the best education there was. Like if anybody is getting into heaven by what they did, it's me. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting because in that argument he's making, he's saying that your circumcision, your following the law is not good enough. And they're trying to tag it on to Christ plus keep these rules, Christ plus hold these laws over. And, uh, but I think it's, and we're kind of deducing this, is that Christ fulfills the law and these things don't have a stringent hold on us. Right. Like they would have had we lived in the Old Testament. <laughs> Oh, it's works. If they do, then we're exchanging the substance, the body of Christ yep. for this shadow yeah. of what was. Right. Um, and again, I think you can make a really direct application to now. Like how often do we exchange what we had the access we have with Christ for the simple distractions of our, our iPhones or whatever else is on our plate that day? Right. You know, uh, I, I just, it's easy to look back and say, you know, how silly these people were at the church in Colossae, but how often do we do the very same thing? Right. Settle for the shadow when we have the substance of Christ. Right. So let's, uh, let me, let me roll this back in. Roll it back. All right. So when we're summing up the law and Christ's fulfillment of it in Colossians, which we, when we, when we add that to now what we understand and we see in the old Testament through all these different various places where there's laws and rules given, 
and things like that. Uh, for us listening that are Christ followers, how then should this change our thinking? And I think paired with that, uh, you know, how does this change how we live? Mm-hmm. What, mm-hmm. what application can I pull when I see that there are all these laws and then Paul writes this in Colossians chapter two? I answer a good question uh, or a good double question. So um, how, how it should change how I think I I put three things down, but the first thing that even as I was like studying, you know, doing the study for this, this content, like definitely the the thought that kept coming up or the feeling that kept coming up or the emotion that kept coming up was just gratitude. Right. Right. I mean, how thankful are we? One, just practically. I mean, I'm glad I'm not rolling up to like sacrifice cows or doves (laughs) or any of that. Right. But more, more heavily and more seriously, I'm very thankful that what, for what Jesus did. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, we always say like, it's, it's about the gospel and it, it is, but it's easy to forget like what the gospel really, really made of. I mean, you go back to the text, the verse we read at the beginning, you know, he, we were dead. He made us alive. He canceled our record, set it aside and nailed it to a cross. I mean, yeah. the, the essence of that is, is Christianity and we have a lot to be thankful for, for that. Right. Um, so I know that's like the churchy answer, but I know that I, I am not often, burdened enough with the gratitude I should be. Right. Right. Yeah. So I think in changing how we're thinking, you know, being gracious, expressing the gratitude, more recognizing it, expressing it more and being intentional to thank God for it. Right. Um, the other thing I wrote was, um, heavenly perspective. Um, we can get caught up in the temporal really easily. At least I can. (laughs) I think we all can. Um, so, you know, we're again, that, that same idea of like shadow versus substance. I mean, what is here will perish, you know, right. having like the, an eternal perspective, which is, I mean, admittedly hard to do. I mean, it's not like you're rolling around thinking about eons from now. Right. Right. Uh, but putting it in proper perspective, I think is helpful. And then uh, I think the last thing I had was thinking more highly of Jesus more often. Right. Um, because it can, I mean, I, you know, I was, I grew up in church. Uh, I mean, I was, I tell people I was in church since negative nine months. Right. <laughs> um, I've never like walked away. I pastored for a long time. Um, this, the truth of Jesus can become routine. And so, uh, Indeed. you know, it's when you're studying the text and unpacking the truths and reminding your soul of who Jesus is, both what he did and who he is to you. Yeah. That is, that is a good exercise. That is a a restorative exercise, or at least it has been for me. So that would be how I, you know, thinking of more highly of Jesus more often. Right. Oh, you're sorry. You asked the second part. Yeah. Well, well, part two, and you know, cause the way we think begins to impact how we live. And so that is, that's how these two questions dovetail together so well. When we begin to put on and apply those practices in our thinking, uh, how does that end up changing how we live, how we act, the things we do? Is this going to change the menial day-to-day stuff? Is this going to change my life goals? What's, how am I going to live? What's, what's it going to practically? No, it's great. Yes. When I was young, it was, how does your theology dictate your doxology? <laughs> um, yeah, the scholarly so, way to put it. Right, right. right. I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, I I have a couple of thoughts here. So, well, first of all, um, in the text, if we go to, I mean, who am I to answer? But let's go to Colossians three. Sure. Right. So, how should it affect that? What, what should we do with it? Like, yep. how should it change how we live? It's a great question. Uh, so, if we go to Colossians three, let's just look at what Paul says in verse twelve. 
So put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive. And above all this, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body. And be thankful. Um, so that would be the my, you know, scriptural answer. Uh, yeah. You know, do these things. Um, but th- I mean, that's you know, okay, yeah, be nice and loving and patient. All the things that we are we suck at, right? <laughs> uh, in comp- in. In, in view of what we looked at and talked about today and even at the conference or the workshop or whatever we're calling it, um, I, I put down a couple of things that I think were, were uh, that I want to apply. Um, yeah. One word that like has run around church circles a long time is this word of legalism, right? Where you're bound to, you know, <laughs> to do something. And I'm not trying to unpack the whole legalism uh, rabbit hole. Right. Um, because there are some things you should do that are just good to do uh, as people of God, right? Right. Um, but it does free you up to know that it's not based on your performance, yeah. right? So, what, like, but that truth, going back to even the Sabbath question, we don't have to do those things to be loved by God. But right. because we are loved by God, we get to. Yeah. Um, and, and again, that's a hard concept, and I'm good at it sometimes and not good at it most of the time. Um, but we are free. Uh, we're free to say yes and no. We're free to to do things that bring God glory, right? Um, so not we're not obligated. We're free to, yeah. Uh, that, I think that's huge in how we act. Um, and then the other piece, specifically to the church in Colossae, and what we see in our culture and around the world. I mean, I, and this may be just I'm saying I'm giving it a disclaimer. Like I, it gets me fired up. But like, beware of false teachers. I mean, the prosperity gospel is running rampant around right. the world, and it is destroying, destroying lives. Yeah, I, I, you know, we have to take seriously knowing our faith, knowing what the Bible says, so that we can identify when we hear false teaching. Yeah. Now, real quick, I just want to interject really quick. Uh, this came up on Sunday, and we, I think, in this church, we say prosperity gospel. We know what we mean. Sure, that's great. What's, what's the problem with yes. the prosperity gospel? I am so glad you asked. It's uh, well, let's let's talk, let's identify the prosperity gospel real quick. Yep. Right. So it's this health wealth. Like if you give, sow a seed. You know, give this money. Yep. Uh, you know, write me a check. Is the the televangelist is saying? Right. And God will bless you. God wants you to be rich. God wants you to to have the cars and the house and yeah. the, all that. Right. So it's faith with the outcome of now temporal earthly right, blessing right there's a book called your best life now i would say that that pretty much encapsulates it okay. I'll, I'll leave the author out uh but it, it's this idea that god wants you to you know be healthy wealthy and happy yeah uh and i mean i just read any book in the new testament yeah uh faith is hard yeah i think paul's life was pretty difficult yeah I mean, he was beheaded in rome yeah. so i mean <laughs> not long after this book of colossians was written yeah um so just the the idea that you can, it's almost like a formula where you give to God and he's going to like bless you back. God may bless you. Great. I mean, I know a lot of wealthy Christians. That is awesome. It's not wrong to have money or have material wealth. Yeah, absolutely. How you use it's important, but the idea that like you, there's this exchange between you and God yep. so that he can bless you. That's not Christianity. Yeah. 
uh, that's not Christianity. And, that, and if you if you were to ask non Christians, I think what hey, what do you think Christianity is? I think a lot of them would say, oh, you 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 know, give to this church, and their their God's going to make you rich, or like, there'd be some materialistic piece to what outsiders understand Christianity to be. Yeah, other than the bigots and the hypocrisy and all that, but the falseness of I mean that that's just I mean obviously it's wrong and it's not in the Bible but how it's destroying people's lives and then the reputation is giving actual Christians is is detrimental yeah to our society right now <clears throat> yeah and I hear a lot I mean and people will slip into it like the name it and claim it theology I mean it's like a slippery slope I mean people will you'll slip into like these these ideas or belief systems where yeah like oh, oh no I don't believe in that and then you're like well I'm gonna I'm going to give and see what God does. Well, I, okay. Let me know how that works out. Uh, <laughs> well, so, you got all these warnings. You got Peter warning them they're coming. Jude saying, hey, they're here. Right. You got John in First John going, hey, let me give you all the markers they've been giving you. Here's the red flags. Right. So there's a lot of warnings about these. Uh, yes, there are. Uh, that, sorry, long interjection. No, no, no that's, <laughs> you're right. So the idea is um, avoid fa false teaching. So yeah. in order to avoid the falseness of a tr of a truth you need to know the truth of the truth right which is to know to know the word yeah. so that would be how i like how we change how we live you should work into and I, you should i think it would be wise to consider having actual bible study in your life yeah. not just a devotion or not just going to church those are great things yeah right but reading like a verse in the morning and like praying on the way to work yeah. you know start there great great place to start but actually like studying the text yeah. or being in a group of men or women that, that do that with you. Yeah. Like you have to study it to know it. Yeah. And if we're saying that this truth, this Jesus, this all supreme God is who we, you know, we believe that he saved us, then doesn't he, then doesn't he warrant our praise and our truth and our, our efforts to get to know him? Yeah. That starts in the Bible. It's, I mean, it's easy to pray a prayer. It's a lot harder to study the text. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and that's one of the big things about this conference. Uh, and, and that's, you know, Bowman is, is his goal in his session is to equip people with, hey, here's some things you can do to better know the word. Because as we even said in this intro, right, faith comes through hearing and hearing through the word of God. This is, you know, if you want to, I don't want to say be a good Christian, Christ, Christ paid it all and you're counted righteous. But you know, if you want to take seriously your mm -hmm. Christianity, then yeah, we, we need to learn who the God of the Bible is. Right. And that's going to be by opening our Bibles. And think about how much more effective you can be, how much more on mission you can be. Think about how much more of a difference you can make when you actually know the truth. Yeah. And then can apply it. Yeah. What a concept. <laughs> Did you have, was that all your applications there? Uh, yeah. Yeah. We, we can stop there. Well, I, do you have more? Um, the only other one I had was in this idea of how do we change how we live? It was, you know, know the truth, avoid false teaching, know the truth by studying the word yep, and then uh, making it like a habit. Like, it's not like you like study okay. the word once and like, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I, yep. I mean, I didn't like, I didn't go to seminary and then like never touch my Bible again. No. <laughs> right. So it's, it's this continual process of, of committing to the study of God's word, knowing God's yeah. word, knowing it more. I mean, I, you know, I turned 40 this year. <sighs> that was a doozy. Uh, and I, I mean, every year I learn something new, something more fully, something more personally, Yeah. both from the text and experiences, right? Yep. Um, it, it, but the, the outcome is to know God more. Yeah. Um, right. To, to know him more fully and more richly. Yeah. Um, 
not just to have like a bunch of theological knowledge yeah because that's the that's a whole nother that's an, the other end of the spectrum that's yeah. not helpful either yep um but yeah yeah there are arguments no, I'm, I'm jumping into something else on my brain there are arguments in first john you have john talking about uh children young men and fathers and some people make the argument that that's just three different ways to address the same people uh, but I tend to like this one. Those are three different groups of people. The children, the people that have just come to know Christ are super excited that they know Christ. The young men are the, are the people taking it upon themselves to dive into the word and answer some questions. They want to dive in here and find answers, you know, be good at Bible trivia. But what separates them and their time in the word from the fathers, the older people and their time, in the, the more mature mm-hmm. is the use of that. And their time in the word is that when they read the Bible, they just want to, they have a desire to know the God of the Bible more intimately and better. So when they open the word, they're not looking for facts anymore. They're looking to know the God of the Bible. Right. And I agree that comes through. I mean, I just think ask, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, ask any older believer, you know, what happens when you read a book a second time? What happens when I read Colossians the third time this year? And it's interesting. Your situation may cause you to, uh, dig different things out of it. You may just go through it and the Lord's going to open your eyes to something else that you didn't catch the first time. There is, there's no limit to how many times you can open this book. And it's just so fascinating. And what a blessing that we get to know mm-hmm. our God. I, I agree. And I would say this isn't in my notes, but you just triggered it. There are passages that are hard. Yeah. And there are, there is text that like, doesn't make sense. Like yeah. if you have no idea what the Bible is and like you come across these verses, even that we read today and you're like uncircumcised flesh, what, <laughs> you know, you're going to like, you're what, you know, there, but that's, that's okay. If, if there's something you don't understand, that's why we learn in community. That's why we have church. That's why we have each other brothers and sisters in Christ. There are people that you can go to and talk to, and there's a gazillion resources. We listed a ton of them at the conference yeah. or workshop, whatever we call it. Um, there don't, just because it gets hard doesn't mean you should stop. No. Uh, and I've encountered a lot of friends who have, it's too hard to read. It's too hard to understand. Uh, is it though? Uh, <laughs> there are, and there are challenging parts. Uh, there's no doubt. Yeah. There are parts that I uh, still struggle to understand or have a firm decision on one way or the other, but that doesn't mean we should stop studying and stop pursuing truth. No, absolutely. Well, Rob, it's been a pleasure. I loved it. This has been uh, this has been a fun one. I end with this. All right. To our friends that are listening, we trust you will let the word of Christ dwell in you richly this week. No matter how you're getting this episode, be sure to like, subscribe, and leave a comment or review. It really helps us out. Check us out on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, and be sure to check out our other McGregor podcast channels. Just head over to knowthewordpodcast.com for all of the details. Thanks for listening. Boom.